Chapter 12 of Five Mice in a Mousetrap by the Man in the Moon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Five Mice in a Mousetrap by the Man in the Moon by Laura E. Richards. Chapter 12 Sickness in the Mousetrap I was very anxious about my little puff, though I had so much to attend to during the rest of that afternoon that I could not even look in my glass to see how things were going at the mousetrap. A young and giddy comet had got his tail twisted round one of my mountain peaks and could not disentangle it and this was a pretty piece of work, as you may imagine. He wriggled and flounced about in a truly disgraceful manner, and it was only by making blankety-blank bite his nose very hard indeed that I was unable to get him free and send him off to his grandmother with a good scolding. A comet cannot move his tail when his nose is bitten. This is a fact not generally known on the earth. But late in the evening, when I knew it was sleepy time, for all the little people down below, I mounted my faithful flash and flew down to see how my mice in general and my puffy mouse in particular were doing. I found the aspect of the nursery somewhat changed. Downy's crib was gone and Puff was alone in the large bed. Uncle Jack was leaning over her, listening to her heavy breathing and beside the bed sat Mrs. Posset in a huge wrapper and a nightcap, evidently prepared to sit up all night. As I came in, Uncle Jack was just saying, the doctor says it is certainly scarlet fever, Mrs. Posset, and so I shall send the other children off by the early train to their aunt who is at the seashore. Dear to goodness, sir, cried Mrs. Posset, and who is to go with the lambs? and Downey never away from me a night since he was born, that is to say, further than the next room. I shall go with them, of course, said Uncle Jack, and I shall take Susan as nursery maid, that they may not give Mrs. Wilton too much trouble. You will have time to pack their things in the morning, Mrs. Posset. I must go now to give John and Thomas their orders, and you are to call me if Puffy wakes, remember. Then Uncle Jack went out softly and Mrs. Posset, after settling herself comfortably among her cushions, put on her spectacles and opening a huge Bible which lay in her lap, began to read. Now was my chance, for the good nurse was far too wide awake to hear anything I said, and Puff was in a heavy, feverish sleep. So, now we are going to have some delightful evenings together, I said as I sat down by her pillow. You have the scarlet fever, my mouse, and all the other mice are to be sent away to the seashore, it seems. Are they? said Puff. I am glad of that, for then they will not be ill. But it will be very lonely without them, Mr. Moonman. And shall I feel so sick all the time, I wonder? I hope not, indeed, I replied. And as for loneliness, not a bit of it. In the daytime, you will have Mrs. Posset and Uncle Jack to take care of you and pet you, and at night, you will have me and the dolls beside. 
I see that you have Sally Bradford here beside you. You will find her quite companionable, I assure you. But the dolls cannot talk, Mr. Moonman, said Puff. I have often and often tried to make them, but they never say a word. That is because you only try in the daytime, Miss Puff, said Sally Bradford in a shrill voice. No well-bred doll would ever think of talking in the daytime, as Mr. Moonman can tell you. Try us at night, when you are asleep, and you will find that we have quite as much to say for ourselves as other people. But it seems so queer to be doing things when one is asleep, said Puff. Why queerer than to do them when one is awake, I asked. The dolls wonder at you quite as much as you wonder at them, depend on it. And now, what shall I do to amuse you, mouse of mine? Will you have a story or a song or what will you have? Of course, I will have both, if I may, Mr. Moonman, answered Puff. I should like to hear stories and songs every day and all nights and never stop. So I sang and all the dolls sat up in their beds to listen. The jumping jack held up his hands with delight and the wooden nutcracker grinned from ear to ear. Only Mrs. Posset sat up in the big chair wide awake and heard never a word. The Fairy Tea Party I went to take tea with the three little fairies who live in the depth of the hazel wood. And what do you think we had for supper? Oh, everything dainty and everything good. There was tea in a buttercup, cream in a bluebell, marigold butter and hollyhock cheese, slices of strawberries served in a nutshell and honey just brought by the liver-eyed bees. We sat neath the shade of a silvery mushroom, all lined with pale pink, nicely fluted and quilled. And around us, the cup moss held up its red goblets, each one with a dewdrop like diamond filled. We ate and we drank and we chatted together, till the fireflies lighted us off to our beds. And we all fell asleep in our cots made of rose leaves, with pillows of thistle down under our heads. How nice that must have been, sighed Puffy. I wish I could see all the lovely things you see, Mr. Moonman. Don't you want Fluffy and me to come up and be your little girls in the moon? Then we could see all the wonderful things for ourselves. And I should not have the pleasure of telling you about them, I replied, which would be truly melancholy. No, no, my little one. You are far better off where you are. And now we are to have a story. And what shall it be about? Tell her about the poor little woodmouse master, said Flash, who had been staring at Sally Bradford with all his might for ten minutes, in the vain hope of making her wink. The little woodmouse, I said. To be sure, you mean the one that Twinkle saw in the forest the other night? It is rather a sad story, but Puffy shall hear it. It seems Puffy that Twinkle, who, as you know, is one of Flash's brothers, was in the oak wood one night last week, wandering about, as is his wont, chatting with such flowers as were still awake, and seeing all that he could see, as he twinkled over the grass near the foot of a great oak tree, he noticed something moving, and stopped to see what it was. The something turned out to be a wood mouse, the prettiest little lady wood mouse that ever was seen. 
She was sitting under a huge yellow toadstool, very different from the pink lined mushroom which sheltered the three little fairies. Feasting on acorns to her heart's content, Twinkle said it was really astonishing to see how fast she cracked and ate them, throwing the shells to right and left and glancing about with her sharp black eyes, in constant fear of some intruder. Presently, she heard a rustling among the leaves, and, anxious to make sure of her supper, she hastily put two acorns into her mouth, cramming one into either cheek. Then she sat up and tried to look very dignified as another little wood mouse, as sleek and bright-eyed as herself, appeared upon the scene. He evidently knew the little lady, for when he saw her, he stopped and made a low bow, pressing one paw on his heart in a most affecting manner. Then advancing toward her, he said softly, Miss Woodmouse, I have been searching for you all the evening, for I have been very anxious to see you. I trust that my presence is not disagreeable to you, Miss Woodmouse. He paused for a reply, but none came. So he went on, Lovely creature, I have long admired you and thought you the fairest mouse I ever gazed upon. The brightness of your eyes, the length of your tail, the sharpness of your whiskers all proclaim you the belle of the forest. How happy should I be if I could claim these charms for my own. I have a very snug nest lined with moss and well stored with nuts and acorns for the winter. Say. Will you share that nest with me, Miss Woodmouse? Will you be mine? Answer me, I implore you. Poor little Miss Woodmouse. It was really pitiful to see her distress. She could not speak on account of the two acorns in her mouth. And she was so ashamed of being greedy that she did not dare to take them out. So she just sat still and looked at the little gentleman, who in turn sat and looked at her, much amazed at her silence. Alas, he said, am I so hateful to you that you will not even speak to me? One word, Miss Woodmouse, to say that I may hope. But not one word could Miss Woodmouse say, though her long tail quivered with emotion. And at length, her little lover, fairly discouraged, turned sadly away and disappeared among the fallen leaves. Then little Miss Woodmouse took the two acorns out of her mouth and looked at them, but her appetite was gone. She threw them away with an exclamation of sorrow and putting her little pink pocket handkerchief to her little black eyes, she hurried off to her lonely nest. Now that is the whole story and the moral of it is that we should not be greedy. Lay to heart, Miss Puff, and do not insist upon drinking the whole of that medicine that Mrs. Posset is preparing for you. You will have to wake up and take it now, Mousekin. So goodbye for the present. Puffy smiled a goodbye and opened her sweet eyes with the smile still on her face. I look back as I stepped out of the window and will do her the justice to say that she showed no disposition to be greedy as far as the medicine was concerned. End of chapter 12